I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the follow-up, our night two of the World Grand Prix from the Morningside Arena in Leicester. Myself, Jack Garwood, once again joined by the wonderful Mr. Dan Simpson at a much more reasonable hour this evening, Daniel. Absolutely. I'm still I feel like I'm still carrying a little bit of a lack of sleep from last night. I, I, I felt it this morning at six o'clock when my alarm went off that late night. But yeah, a far, far more reasonable hour to get things going this evening. It is indeed. How is everybody in the chat room? Matthew just said exactly the same thing, even guys like more reasonable time tonight. Anthony is in. How are we doing, mate? It's always reasonable time for you guys when you're watching darts. It's mid-afternoon or early evening for you at the moment. I uh, hope you're well, buddy. Uh, Jackson, he says hi. And James says, is this on soon? Hello. We are here and we are ready to go. Eight more games from uh, the PDC World Grand Prix to talk about. Um should we start with, once again, a little note on the crowd, Dan? It was possibly even worse than yesterday. And and again, like, I, I'll make no apologies for my observations, being the, the, the old father of three that I am. Full of kids, late night, on a school yeah, night. JDC were there this evening, so, they, that's a, so they'd give a load of promo tickets to the JDC. Tomorrow night, as I understand it, they've sold tickets to students for a tenner. So there's a fair load from Nottingham heading over just to try and make so much money. And it's still empty. Yeah, it didn't it didn't look uh it didn't it just lacks atmosphere. And I get it, it's a weeknight, it's a school night. Um not something we suffer from in other tournaments sometimes when we do you know, midweek nights. Um 
it generally picks up from the sort of Wednesday, Thursday onwards, doesn't it? So I think we've probably seen the worst of it, I think, for, for this tournament. But yeah, it didn't foster at any point this evening. I didn't feel like they'd, they'd managed to foster a, a really a decent atmosphere in there. It is a bit of a shame. I know some people slag the venue off, say it hasn't got a lot of atmosphere. That's because it's always half empty, in my opinion. When you get to things like the Saturday and Sunday, it is reasonable and it's, it's reasonably attended. It, it picks it's up a bit. Room. It's not yeah. a room at all. It's the fact there's no bugger in it. That's the problem. 100%. I tweeted just as like, Leicester Riders might be the most known basketball team in the country by the end of this week because it just says Riders in big letters across yeah, the well, set. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I am confused as to why they have... I mean, the PDC, I've I've been all sorts of places to watch their events and, and they do a generally very good job of dressing a room, you know, and making it look, you know, very much like whatever that normally is, that is a darts venue. And I'm really surprised that they haven't managed to cover that for the first part of the week, whether it just be, you know, a great big flag or something that goes over, some sort of imagery that that is more suited to the event that's be currently in there than just a general, you know, just a load of empty seats because it does detract a little bit from the... From I think the a lot of the venues are normally set up for entertainment. As far as I know, the Morningside isn't. As such, it's still very much a basketball venue. So hanging stuff from the ceilings where the the hoops are, they, they fold up, etc., or whatever, is a little bit more um, difficult in that one. A few more in the chat room before we start talking about the darts. Uh, Matt R says, will they leave Leicester? Why don't they go back to the City West in or somewhere in Dublin? So they've tried other venues in Ireland. There isn't really anywhere else big enough. For the last couple of years, the City West has paid host uh, to refugees from the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict at the moment. Um, it is, it's open-ended on the calendar next year, which makes me believe that there might be a move once again. Um, they like Leicester in the fact that it's a matching venue. They've hosted snooker events, so they've got a reasonable... Um, relationship with Leicester um, and they host a lot of pro tours there as well, which is basically the same room, by the way. They just put the boards down the sides, etc. So it's geographically not bad, is it? Depending you know, yeah. regardless of where, and I know, you know, for, for those on the tour that are from all around the world, but you know, if you're if you're UK based, then Leicester's not a bad centre point to, to aim for, is it? In terms of just you know motorways and traffic and, and that sort of thing. Indeed, uh, Daz says, all right, Gob and Dan, what set the Peter Wright use tonight? We'll talk about that one a little bit. Uh, Joe's in, he says, evening. Uh, Nels answers the question about snake by darts. I'll read that one. Harry says, good evening, lads. How are we doing, mate? Hope you are well. Hope your week back at uni is going on pretty well. Uh, and Lendl is in, he says, what up? So uh, let's talk about some darts, shall we? First game, uh, game number one. Not a great deal to discuss here. A very, very solid performance from Joe Cullen. Not a great deal coming back at him from Mike Decker. I think once Joe weathered the storm in the opening set, um, it was his all day long, wasn't it? Yeah, um, a bit of a golfing in class in this one, and and, and Mike Decker, you know, one one of the one of the lower ranked, one of the one of the three players making his debut um, at this year's event, and and yeah, Joe just had just had too much for him in in every department. Really, he was getting in quicker, he was getting out quicker. His scoring was better. Um, it went exactly the way I think we we both called it a two 0 Joe Cullen victory last night. And at no point did did it ever look like being anything else really. As I said, not a great deal to talk about. Not Mike Decker didn't do a great deal wrong. He, he just didn't quite um, manage to to hit anywhere near Joe Cullen's level tonight. Bit of a shame, really, because Mike Decker has been 
possibly the most informed Belgium on the tour for the last six months. Dimitri van der Berg's had a bit of a decline. Kim Hybrex isn't playing what he used to be. Mike's had a, a solid floor game of late, but it, it needs to translate that to the TV right now, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and he's still got a, um, you know, I don't think we've quite seen his, his ceiling yet. Um, you know, he's he's got a huge amount of potential, still only a young fella. Um, and, and he's, you know, you wouldn't be too surprised if over the course of the next year to 18 months, he started to to make some real inroads into that into that top 30 on the on the order of merit. Um, but in order to do that, he's got to start coming through these, uh, you know, early rounds. He's not, not just qualifying for these events. He isn't going to get him into that top 30. He's, he's, he's going to have to start picking up a couple of wins here and there on the television. Yeah, and a, a pretty simple one, really, to talk about Joe Cullen. Uh, seven previous appearances at the Grand Prix before uh, this week. Four of those ended in first-round defeat. Is this a sign that he's just maturing that little bit, knows how to get through these early rounds now and can start getting his teeth into tournaments at the last stages? I don't know. I think that best of three open is a lottery, isn't it? Like, if you don't, if you don't come out sharp, and he did tonight, he came out sharp, and, and I don't know you, the... Obviously, he's a different player in that I think the exposure and the experience he's had on the Premier League has done him the world of good. And I think that's a little bit of what we saw, and we'll come to it a little bit later on, in some other players this evening. Is it, It's that short format, big event, big crowd, being able to reach your level quickly on the television. And that's, I think, the experience that Joe Cullen's gained from, from those couple of years on the, on the Premier, in the Premier League. Um, that we saw tonight, you know, turned up, went about his business, got on the stage first, um, and and just, I think it was just a professional performance, wasn't it? He did what he needed to do. It was indeed right. You guys know the drill by now. We've got some short clips from interviews uh, from the players in their post-match reaction. Uh, Phil Bars is on the scene as per usual. Uh, we do have Joe Cullen, a short snippet for you, uh, but the, the interview is available in full on our YouTube channel. Don't disappear just yet. After this show, it maybe you've already seen it tonight, or if you're watching back, those are available in full on the OD YouTube channel. But here is Joe Cullen. Oh no, I'd be lying if I said I did. I've, you know, I've, I've enjoyed some time off. Um, had a few days in Spain with the family, and it's just obviously after last year with the Premier League and the World Series and stuff like that, I, did, I didn't get a chance to spend much time at home or, or with my family. So I, uh, I certainly made the most of it this August. Are you more thankful for it after that? Yeah, you are, but. I, you, you want the money, you know. <laughs> we, we all play for the money. It's alright saying, "Oh, it's a great trophy." And trophy's great and everything, but the the check and the bank balance is is what we all play for. You'd be lying if you said it didn't. So, yeah, I'm like I'm happy where my game is, and hopefully I can I can go on and win this this week. Refreshingly honest from Joe. I've seen somebody yeah. call him out on the comments section of that video on YouTube earlier, going, "That's why Collins never kicked on. If he's happy with just a paycheck." The drive for a trophy would see him go better. I'm like, nah. yeah, do they not? You know, it comes with money. You know, you don't just. Yeah. You don't, you don't, <laughs> the check is considerably this, bigger. This debate we've had about Luke and Bo and everyone else that's had to pick between which world championship to play, and it's like, oh yeah, but that trophy means more. I'm like, yeah, but meaning more doesn't put food on the table. <laughs> yeah, like there's a very big, you know, there's a difference in the checks that you get for winning in the early rounds and the check they give you when you pick up that trophy. It's a very big difference. That's a very different check. Because 30, 40 years ago, it did mean a lot because it was a cash prize on the side, but a lot of players still had jobs or 
they were playing the exhibition tour, playing money matching tour, and actually having that trophy earned them more money down the line as going, right, I'm the world champion, come and play me, etc. That doesn't happen anymore. That's no, it's not, not a thing. You might get the odd exhibition or the odd appearance, and you get the Sky Sports sponsorship guaranteed. And all right, you can go and charge more. But there is absolutely no guarantee that anything else drops in your lap as world champion. No, and you, you, even, even the exhibitions, you know, you, you're not necessarily getting more exhibitions for having won a world title. Like you, you, you're not really, because those at that elite level are getting what they what they want anyway. You know, they're they're doing the, they're they're busy whenever they want to be busy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And as, as harsh as it is, if if somebody if a rank outsider goes and wins the world championship tomorrow, people aren't going to rush to go and see Andrew Gildin play best of. 19 legs in Derby like Van Gerwen and Smith did last week. Cool. Speak for yourself. We're <laughs> we getting straight on there. Are we getting the car charged straight up? Getting down there. <laughs> uh, too many panda pops for this time of night, then. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, we saw one of the, uh, we say upsets of the tournament. Dave Chisnell has been one of the four men of the PDC for the last three to four months. Um, but I'm pretty sure I packed a Woodhouse last night, so it can't be that much of an upset. Um, my egg are the same as well. I've dropped in on a bit of Edgar TV over the last couple of days. Um, a solid debut performance from Luke Woodhouse, by the way. That is how you make your debut at the World Grand Prix. Just still, he's averaged 95.96, right? There have been other TV debuts where he's averaged less than that straight in. That's how good a performance that was from Luke Woodhouse. Yeah, it was. It was. It was super. Like I, I think. That you have to factor that in as well. That you know, not only was it, I mean, in itself and, and, and of what it is, if you just look at the statistics, you know, if you look at the numbers and you look at his doubling, you look at his scoring, you look at how many 140s he's thrown, his average, etc. You look at it and think, yeah, good performance, that really good day. And then you think, well, you know, it, it was his debut in the event. He was he was the lowest qualified, sorry, he was the lowest ranked player in the event by by some way as well like by a lot it wasn't you know it wasn't just outside he he was by some long way the lowest ranked player in the event on top of that like he qualified like with his last dart like he qualified he qualified in in the in his last leg of, the, of his opportunity to qualify so i think to come through that to to get through literally by the skin of his teeth then put in a performance like that against a Dave Chisnell, who is, you know, in terms of form, right up there with anybody on the planet at, at the moment, in terms of all aspects of his game. Uh, really, yeah, really, really good. Absolutely top stuff from Luke Woodhouse. I was, I was really impressed with him. Just the, the composure that he showed um, didn't seem phased at all. It was a really impressive performance. It was indeed. As for Chisnell, I always feel harsh asking this question, but... It's got to be asked every time he has a, a high-profile failing. Is he ever going to leave the Terry Jenkins club? Oh, it's... Uh, Michael, Smith, Michael Smith was always a case of when, not if. Right? It feels like Luke Humphreys is a case of when, not if. Dave Chisnell feels a bit like a, a Mervyn King or a Terry Jenkins, and it's a, a very big if. It's a bit like going, will James Wade win a world championship? Yeah, I think I, I I tend I tend to agree. Yeah, I think I think it's um it's very difficult to put him in the when category at, at the moment because we're just seeing too many uh, too uh, too many occasions where it doesn't doesn't click or he doesn't quite do, just doesn't get over the line in the 
in, in the occasions and in the situations where major winners do get over the line. And, and he's I mean, just he's not absolutely really not played badly tonight, by the way. He's averaged 94. He's been beating in straight sets. Luke Woodhouse getting in was absolutely superb and applied pressure all over the place. But it's still, you just want more. You just want him to be able to find that extra gear to stop things like this happening to him in major TV tournaments. Three, three out of 12 checking out as well isn't going to get you anywhere in this in a format this short. Yeah. It's too short. It's There's too little games to have to win. That if you go three out of twelve, you're you 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 just you just handing your, your opponent chances that they that they might not have even earned. Hundred uh, percent. On to the next game then. Uh, some interesting walk-ons, an interesting change of apparel uh, for Mr. Damon Hatter. I'm a really big fan of the shirt. Uh, the less said about the other thing I've just mentioned, the better. Uh, but a job done for Ryan. So um, tight, tense. Decent game. Finishing numbers are very, very good. Neither player's really blown the other away. Scoring-wise, it felt like when they've missed chances to get into start legs, both players have missed at the same time. It, it was. This is one of those cases where you don't have to both go and average 104 in normal straight-up play for it to be a good game. Yeah, um, thoroughly enjoyable game to, to watch. I think we, you know, we everybody thought this was going to be a tight one. I said last night it was almost a, a toss of the coin. I, I did... I did. I think I picked Ryan still two one, so that I'm quite pleased with that one. But um, yeah, close. I mean, you are. You know, they're they're, they're maybe one ranking position apart from each other. Um, really yeah, entertaining, as I say. That first leg, the first leg was very similar to the last leg. I know that that sorry uh, set. That second set, Ryan took a clean sweep and looked to be move, like taking control of the game. But Damon did manage to. So you know, re- really make a game of it in the end, and, and and we were absolutely down to the wire at the end, and it was it was yeah, a, a really a really good good watch, and, and Damon had the opportunity to throw for the match as well. Um, I think that's important to to know that at you know at one all and at two two, it was Damon that came to the hockey with the with the darts, and Ryan managed to just just get in there and um, get in ahead of him. And then take a couple of big scores out and put himself. You know, he was he was Damon. I think was a hundred back when Ryan checked out the sixty. So he, he he did a good job of closing that out, Ryan. Yeah, he did indeed. That that tops really started to work for Ryan, didn't it? This was one of those games that was always going to be an interesting contrast to watch as well because Searle is such a, a tops player, and Hetter was always going double sixteen. I love when yeah, we get that. Yeah. My way will be better than your way. I love when players do that. Not. I'm going to revert to tops because I can hit a 160 and the nine darters on it. I'm going to back myself to win in four visits or, or five visits when I need it because that's what the percentages say. And I'm going to go my own way. Make sure I get him because my percentage of hitting that is better than your way. And I'm going to beat you that way. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of switching around either. You know, we'll, we'll come later on to players that have got, you know, primary doubles and secondary doubles and almost a plan going to the hockey as well. You know, if my first two into this one don't work, I'll put my third over there and I'll do the, you know, these two, like neither of them, absolutely not. Ryan was coming for 20s and Damon was coming for 16s. And, and it, it made for a really entertaining and enjoyable match. One of one of the more enjoyable matches of, of the tournament so far. It did, indeed. While we're talking about that, uh, Liam popped up and said, can I just say, it blows my mind how it takes them nine plus starts to double in sometimes. Yeah, it never takes that long to double out. <clears throat> you don't have to switch to double in and coming inside doesn't matter why. It's pressure. It is absolutely yeah. the pressure because you are expected to be able to go out there and hit it 
and you are expected to go up there and either take advantage of your opponent when they've missed or put pressure on your opponent, get in first time and, and, and do the job that way. And, and it is, it's this short format as well, is that like, you know, it's it's so different to, to, to match play, like, you know, to straight leg play, because if you get broken once in this format, you lose a leg. You can lose a leg. And then that's, you know, that's 50% of the game over. If you're playing the first of two legs, you can be broken once and 50% of your opponent's work is done to get you out of there. And and once, you know, if you go there and you, and you even when you're on throw and you know if you get broken here and you've got to pin that double, it, it, it's, it's a very, very pressurised situation. It is indeed. And the other thing is, when you are finishing... When you're behind, when you when you're stood behind a player, when you set something up, when you're approaching the hockey, and when you are there, you have to go for something. It focuses your mind. When you're playing double in, and you have so many choices and so many options, and you aren't contained to anything, unless you are incredibly disciplined and going right, this is what I'm going to go for. Players just end up scattering around in in hope rather more than expectation. It's like. Here comes more pressure. I've got to hit one of these three. I'm so far off with this one. Like, not being able to go inside when you're on a finish focuses the mind to a certain part of the board. You want to be on the outside. You don't want to be splitting your double down, etc. Similarly to coming back to a specific target. And I think that's the difference between finishing and starting doubles massively. Um, no Luke, Hum- Luke Woodhouse clip for you, but that interview is available in full on our YouTube. I know it is because I was on that title it this evening. Uh, just no clip uh, for this one in here, but he basically just says, I knew I had the game to beat Dave. He's the four man, but I backed myself, which you expect from most sportsmen. Uh, on to the next game then, and Dimitri Vandenberg's barren run since the uh, Premier League uh, return this year continues, beaten 2 0 by Chris Dobie. Um, just a solid job once again from Chris, I thought. Yeah, um, I sort of alluded to it earlier when I was talking about Joe, and I think you know Chris in this format and this length of game, we we saw that experience tonight that he's gained in the Premier League to be able to just hit the stage against one of the best players in the world in a short format, find his game very quickly, not have to play his way into a match and not have to work, you know, not have to work his work his way up and find his range and, and he just he, he did he came out came out very well and it was just a just a professional yeah very professional performance went about his business very well didn't look flapped at any point took the first one looked comfortable and then there wasn't the Dimmy had moments and he did have moments and I know both sets were were three two you know Chris didn't just wipe the floor you know two two nil looks like he's 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 run away with it and you know, they were both close games, but at no point, and I, as you, I think it's, there's no secret how much I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chris Dobie supporter and a supporter of all North East-based You players. never. <clears throat> but, and, and, and at no, but at no point was I worried. You know, at no point, you know, Dimmy slipped a 180 in, I didn't really panic. I wasn't, you know, I, at no point did I get worried or think that that wasn't Chris's game to just you know, sort of, close out as quick as he could. I was pleased he got it done 2-0. I think if he hadn't have got that second set when he did, it could have got nervy. Um, and you just started getting into a bit of a longer game when you might have just, you know, Dimitri can create opportunities. And 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 
you know, he can take a big check out, out that you might not expect if you leave it, if you give him the opportunity. So I think Chris did a good job of getting it done when he did and just not allowing Dimi that, that you know, those chances. Yeah, especially the first three darts of the game, Dimi fires in a 1-5-2 to open. You're like, hang about, he's on the ball and switched on it. But after that, it seemed to just be that he was one of those that had a plan when he comes to the hockey to chase doubles around the board, but he never really seemed settled on any of them in my mind. He was throwing darts at double 14 in Hope last start. We, we just saw him a little bit all over the place. And to me, that's been his game. He struggled on tops at times in the Premier League or on the floor. He started to not leave it. Then he went to 16s and he swapped back. He's tried 18s for a bit. He is not comfortable at hitting a double unless it's a 1-4 something from the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in the midst of a big combination. You know, if he's if he's taken out 1-5-2 or something, then he seems to be fair. That, that seems to be when he hits his doubles. But yeah, yeah coming... Coming with three darts at tops doesn't seem to be a comfortable situation for him at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think of all the players we've seen this week, Dimmy's one of the ones that I'll watch. You know, we talk about this being the business end of the year, and this is where you've got to come and, and you know and really show up and earn your money. I'll be watching the next you know three months of Dimitri Vandenberg's darts with 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 real interest because you know his, his ranking is an interesting one at the minute. You know, for a player that has, as in recent years, almost expected to be getting the nod for for the Premier League, and and you know expects deep runs in in um, in tournaments, he's starting to slip down those rankings. And you know, behind him, you've got the likes of Ross Smith and Ryan Searle and Chris Dobie, and you know, players that are starting to put decent runs together where they're getting wins in tournaments and going a little bit deeper than we're used to seeing from them. So interesting few months, I think, for Dimi. Is there a, a wider problem here with Dimi in that if, if we look, last year's Premier League lineup was hotly contested, Dimi was one of those players that was either in or out. He was on that cusp for a long, long time, but he got in off the back of winning World Series events, basically, didn't he? He wasn't in the greatest deal of form heading into that Premier League campaign and then struggled throughout that. Has that done damage, shall we say, to his confidence levels, to where he is right now? And, and retrospectively, would you have maybe looked at including somebody like a Luke Humphreys, who was on more of a crest of a wave when that campaign started? Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure it's done him any, it's done him any damage. Um, I don't buy a lot of the, you know, the the Premier League being a, a negative or a damager of careers and things. I, I I don't think that's too much the case. But I I I wasn't a big fan of him getting the nod when he did in the last, you know, the the, the last one. It wasn't. He certainly wouldn't have been my opinion. Not personally, I just I just think there were other players that, you know, in the way that that they played darts in the twelve months leading up to the selection were it were a better shout than than he was. Um, I think he's going to have to win the World Championship to get in next year. Interesting. Um, back to his opponent, uh, Chris Dobie, a 2-0 victor. We do have a short clip of Dobie's to play for you, so here it is. Nah, midweek's perfect. Next to the football. But yeah, no, hey, it's a professional sport. It's It's got to be classed as a job, so you go to work through the week, not just the weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Second player to have said those similar sentiments this week, Luke Chris Dobie, Nathan Aspinall. My concern is that the PDC are looking a bit like the Tories right now and they are concerned about those at the very, very top making even more money and there's not going to be a way into being a professional 
for the players that they're selling that dream to through Q Score? Um, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm still. I'm still not convinced. I, I, I find it hard to argue against the further professionalisation of the sport. I'm not against the further professionalisation, but I don't think the infrastructure is there to professionalise 128 people, which is what you profess to do. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's where I am, right? I have absolutely no issue with everything being midweek if there is a reasonable opportunity that everybody that plays on your tour will earn twenty to £25,000 a year to go and play darts so they can put food on the table and not have to worry about going to have another job. And I'm just not sure they can. I just think until that's in place, until there is a not a guaranteed minimum earn or something, but until the infrastructure exists that the spread the prize money can be spread out in such a way that that's what people are going to earn. I'm just not convinced by it, and you're just never going to get that. The easiest way to do it though is you know is just let your bottom third go and play where they want. All that. That's the easiest way to do it. That solves your problem immediately. If you just let the if you just let your bottom third go and play super series and go and play wherever they, wherever they want to play elsewhere, yeah. and as soon as you breach the top third, you can't. Indeed, no doubt that conversation is going to roll on for much longer. Uh, but we need to move on through tonight, and we move on to the former two-time world champion. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, put in some good performances on the Pro Tour last week before decided not to play the rest of the week, even though he's not in the Players' Championship final spots. And um, Peter Wright, a 2-0 demolition, for want of a better word, on Gabriel Clemens. This was another that sped the night up massively. There's, that's the reason we're chat talking to you now. I'm not still watching darts. Um, but it was just a, a difference in ability at that point. Yeah, just different. It was. It, it had... It adds a little bit of a practice game element about it, I think, for Peter. There, there was there wasn't a lot coming back at him. Um, I expected more from from Clemens, if I'm if I'm completely honest. Um, you know, to, to only pick up two legs in in the game is is not at all what I expected from him. I expected him to <clears throat> push Peter a little bit harder than he did. Um, you know, he got four doubts at double Clemens in that entire game. Um, against the know, run that's out of form by the way right? 90 yeah. I mean, 50% on his doubles doesn't look terrible until you realise that he only had four 
<laughs> and then you sort of think, oh, fair enough. Like getting to them was it was it was it was an issue. And yeah, Clemens didn't didn't create himself anywhere near enough opportunities. And by the same token, Peter didn't leave the door open too many times. You know, he was Peter was pushing against an open door and just and just wandered through in the end. It wasn't it wasn't um I, I did quite in I did quite like the idea that for a decent chunk of the game he was he was playing with Michael Van Gerwen Darts. Um I'm not even sure how much of that is him just taking the piss. Um I wouldn't put it past him. He started with a different one, didn't he? Then he swapped to some more Van Gerwen esque looking darts. I I I think there is a there, there should be a tournament whereby Peter Wright just plays with his opponent's darts in each game. I think he does it most of the time. He's do that for a Porto, with Ryan Soul darts. Matt goes on about that in his preview show earlier this evening about how Gerwin Price is absolutely must have been Ryan Soul's darts. Uh, Peter Wright isn't too bad either, and I'm just like. He can literally throw anything. He is one of those players that can pick up absolutely any set, any shape, any style of dart and throw it to a reasonable standard compared to me or you off the street. But I still think he needs to stick with just one setup, one style for a, a, a considerable duration just to get himself back on track a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm like that, you know. I'm incredibly consistent no matter which set of darts I throw. I can throw any set of darts in the world and average 42. Yeah, it's not a problem. It's it's very, very easy for me. It is indeed. Right, then let's hear from Snakebite in his post-match press conference. Now I'm going to be playing rubbish all the way through. Let let you talk about everyone else. (laughs) Go under the radar, yeah? All them awesome play dart uh, dart players at the moment and talk about them and I'll just sneak around the back. Yeah, I just I just feel just the way I walk and feel in myself and standing tall and stuff like that and feeling your your own ability. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's coming it's coming back. Um hopefully it'll come back with a vengeance just in time for the world. Doesn't sound too confident about this event, but he is looking forward to the back end of the year by the sounds of it. Um someone who's definitely looking forward to the back end of the year because it is trophy time is Michael Van Gerwen and possibly the biggest disparity in averages of anybody in the first round between winner and loser. Michael Van Gerwen was exceptional, uh, 75% on the finishes. He absolutely blew away Josh Rock, who won just one leg in the contest. Um, This is not smug, but don't say we didn't warn you, basically. Yeah, and and this is exactly it. And and I'm I'm desperate to not just because I because I like him so much and I, and I and I think he's got so much potential that it's I find it difficult to to really drop any negativity on on, on Josh Rock. But we what we saw from him tonight and 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 he'd probably be the first to say was was far from far from what we're used to seeing from him, even in the short time that we've had him in the you know in the professional ranks and 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 in televised tournaments. You know, we we, we even when he's not gone through and won matches on TV that for me I I can't think of a worse performance from him on on TV since he's been there Um, I just hope he he sort of brushes it off and and gets back I'm sure he will but um, it's it's difficult because I think we've seen all sorts of strange things in the last couple of years with Josh Rock we've seen some very very strange odds making Um, we've you know we've seen him talked about in made favourite in games that in reality he probably had no right to be and you know I think there was a lot of people that had this game 
a lot closer to 50-50 than some of us did. You know, I think we said last night it, it, we we thought it was going to be a, a, a steamrolling from Van Gogh and that's exactly what we got. He, he turned up tonight with the look of a man that knows how to win this tournament and he's done it six times, so he doesn't know how to win this tournament um, and he very much looked like it. Yeah, six-time winner, uh, defending champion as well, obviously he did pick up before. Um, he just looks very, very good right now, doesn't he, Van Gogh? And he's got extra gears, we know he has. I guess that worry is he does have that one performance where a game stays a bit close, where he starts missing doubles towards the back end of it. But if he keeps getting in the way he is, keeps scoring the way he is, I think his first scoring visit of the night was a one seven seven, just to show that he can. He looks like he's going to be incredibly difficult to stop in Leicester once again. Well, I mean, if he was playing somebody else in the next round, I'd agree with you. But... He's, he's on Thursday night. He's going to have to play Chris Doby, and Chris Doby will be boosted in confidence by the emphatic Newcastle victory over PSG tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, and I wouldn't get too excited if you're a Michael Van Gerwen fan. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of, <laughs> I'm just forward. To I haven't even had a drink. I can't read out loud, but I've just forwarded you something on WhatsApp and it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I've not even had a drink tonight. <laughs> Van Gogh's interview um, went along the lines of what we're about to play you. Somebody's tweeted it in Polish and then the translate is absolutely brilliant. Um, here is my post-match <laughs> press conference. What you saying? <laughs> not this tournament. I'm going to smash them all. That's my message to them. Now, but you never know what happens. You, 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 of course, you want. I want to be confident. I'm always confident, but you never know what happens. Because uh, to always throw 50% on your doubles to come in and always finish 75% of doubles, that's not going to happen. So I need to make sure I'm cool down now, have a day rest, and make sure I do exactly the same the day after. It's going to be tough, but I know I can do that. The best translate I've ever seen. Believe it. If you're interested and you follow us on Twitter, uh, now that would be some way to celebrate beating Paris Saint Germain, wouldn't it? Go and find um, the OD Twitter. Find the post where we share Michael Van Gogh's uh, interview. It starts with "I'm going to smash them all" as the quote. Uh, go to the quote tweet, and you're looking for a quote by somebody called Agata. Uh, it's in Polish. With, they've got a Welsh flag next to their name as well. Go and have a look at that and go and have a look how Google translates their tweet. It is absolutely brilliant. Uh, next up, not the defending champ, but the champ from the year before. So he was defending an awful lot of prize money here. Uh, Johnny Clayton, um, beaten by Rossniff. We said this one would be close. I feel like it was closer than the scoreline suggests here. Um, but Rossniff really did start to apply the pressure, doubling in Johnny Clayton's double 16 starting just seemed to desert him at the complete wrong time in this tournament. And yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head exactly in that it it was at the it happened at the wrong times for Johnny. It it, it seemed like when just sort of general sort of spells through the game as it went back and forth, he, he looked quite strong and you know he looked like he was he looked like the double sixteens were going in quite nicely. It looked it looked really good. But when he when he really needed it in those really key moments of the, of, of the match, they they did just desert him. It seemed, and he and he couldn't couldn't find that double sixteen. He couldn't quite get in when when he needed to get in. Um, you know, he, the one ten was great, but then I think you know sort of Smith trumped him on that as well with that big one thirty checkout that was absolutely gorgeous. That that was a, it was a 
beautifully done 130. Um, really good things again from from Ross Smith, and I think you know that there there is going to remain uh, you know a, a handful of you know four or five players outside of the top twelve that these next few months are going to we, we're going to we're going to see at least one or two of them make huge inroads. I we don't quite know who it's going to be yet. You know, it could be it could be Smith, it could be Doby, it could be Surly, it could be one or two others. But I, I think from that clutch of people around that that part of the rankings we're going to see some 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 big exciting things and yeah it's a big it's a big drop off for money for Johnny and, and I know he you know he did sort of cover himself a little bit and he he <clears throat> he made some in the match play that he wasn't carrying from before so that boosts him up a little bit but yeah he's he's another player I think that's going to have to just be careful at the, this time of year because the, you know he, he he does have a bit of a target on him because he's such a big player um, and and he's a big match television player as well, Johnny. You know that's when he that's when we see the best from him. Um, You're defending about sixty grand between here and the end of the season as well, which is similar to what um, Chris Doby is defending that we we mentioned on Monday night previously. But it doesn't seem like a massive amount, but actually it can add up pretty quickly if he <laughs> suffers one or two more first rounders out of nowhere. Yeah, then you've got four extra rounds or, or three extra rounds to try and find yourself at the World Championships to get you back. He's still provisionally world number seven at the end of the year, which is still uh, a pretty decent return on pretty similar to where he is. He still climbs one position if absolutely nobody earns any money, but everything drops off between now and the end of the World Championships. Um, but work to be done for the ferret. Uh, Ross Smith, by the way, is now one win away from the top 16. A win in round two would see him leapfrog James Wade. James Wade would fall out of the top 16 for what feels like the first time in his career. It's just been there forever. Chris oh, Doby is also on the cusp of that as well. He's slightly further behind. Doby would need to I'd need to make the semi-finals, to be fair. Uh, We've talked about final. that before, though, at this yeah. time of year. It's just being able to breach that top 16 can be a huge, huge factor when you're starting to go into seeded tournaments. Yeah. Burby would need a final. Gary Anderson could make that jump if he lifted the title, by the way. Uh, how interesting that could be. Gary Anderson would jump above Dimitri Vandenberg if he was to lift uh, the trophy at the end of the week. Um, no Ross Smith clip as yet because it is far too late in the evening for Phil Bowers to even consider doing any work. Um, so that interview will be available in full on our YouTube channel. Um, as we discussed the final game of the night as well, uh, which was between Luke Humphreys and Daryl Gurney. Given quite a decent bill in this one, former champion in Gurney, we've seen glimpses of what he's capable of um, in things like the match play when he absolutely demolished Gary Anderson. He shows glimpses that the old Gurney is there, but the new Luke Humphreys had too much for him tonight. Yeah, if I'm completely honest, I think they're both underwhelmed a, a little bit. Um, I think, and, and I know, I think two 0 flat as Luke because it, it it wasn't it wasn't a complete rout, but and and I do think that Luke should have done a better job of dispatching Gurney with, with Gurney playing like that because I think Daryl Gurney was far from what I think many expect him to come out in at. You're right; they did a very good job. They spent they spent time, you know, building this match a little bit and building some interest and. You know the interview with Colin Lloyd and Gurney before the game, and and it just they, they they did a good job, Sky, of of producing this one, and and it did just fall a little bit flat, and it, it just it underwhelmed a little bit. Um, Luke, I think, did well not to get drawn into anything, 
um, during the game and just sort of stayed that that arm's reach away from Gurney throughout the game and, and it never really looked in too much doubt, did it? No, I don't think he did. I mean, this is only Luke's third appearance at the Grand Prix. We, it's, it's quite easy to forget just how little time Luke has spent at the, the topper end of the game. Uh, prolific on the development tour, has built his way up and has been talking up a good game for a long, long time. His world championship form before that, uh, quarterfinal, quarterfinal, he's made that three times and he's been to a UK Open final. So, look, we know what he's capable of. Um, but it's not a former I'm convinced of will suit Luke Humphreys, even before tonight. No, uh, and I don't know how well that bodes for the World Championships as well, because that set play form, you know, Luke's a good front runner and he's good at breaking people down over, you know, in, in, a, in a leg play match. And that's where we see great things. You know, we've seen an awful lot of good stuff on European tours and we've seen some great stuff in, you know, very, but you're right. The point you made there, and I had to literally, I had to just go and have a quick look. And, and you know, in reality, the first, the first year that Luke did a full set of televised tournaments was 2021. Yeah, like this is this is his third year of of a. You know, that was the first year that he did do a, you know, a match player and a Grand Prix and a European Championship and a and a, and a full set, if you like, over the course of the year, which is easy. It's very easy to forget, even for someone who talks about darts as much as I do. Um, very easy to forget. Well, it does feel like he's been talking about the Premier League for a decade, so that too. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bless him, but a solid performance from Luke Did Humphrey. he play as a contender? Uh, yeah, he was the first contender to ever win. He beat Gary Anderson in Exeter. Oh, he's had his run then, hasn't he? He's got nothing to moan about. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that, because that definitely counts. Um <laughs> Let's move on then to tomorrow. Apologies that last night we didn't get too many of you involved. We will try and read out a few predictions. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, a little bit more time to talk about them. A little bit more of a format to break down as well. Best of five sets from tomorrow. It's the first of three. Um, starting with Andrew Gilding against Gary Anderson. This is an excellent match. I'm really looking forward to this game. Um... Gary Anderson will win this match 3-1. I think Gary wins it 3-2, but not withstanding some drama and frustration. He's just not going to enjoy this game at all. No, he's not. But I think all. he's going to I think he's going to realize he doesn't enjoy it at one all. Mm-hmm. And want to get it done as quickly as possible and fire it up, and that's why I think that's literally why I went three one because I almost I think I see what you see in that he's just gonna completely lose his shit. But, I don't um, think he's gonna have the chance to just fire up. Do you know what I mean though? Because every time he's gonna try and get into a rhythm, <laughs> Gildan's gonna go to the left of the hockey. He's gonna watch the Gildan routine and step over and that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. To be honest, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a Gary Anderson. Um, it's a Gary Anderson three-one victory. Indeed, Barry says Gary three-two. That's where I've got as well. Excuse me, ten to midnight. Yeah, why do we do this job? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, what are we doing? Uh, fortunately, I'm not working the Super Series tomorrow, so my alarm is not going off at quarter past eight. Well, mine will go off at five to six, same as every other day. 
complain about that, lad. You can keep you your money, Dan. Keep your fancy house. You can keep your palmos, mate. I'm staying in bed till 11 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> Unless my barber messages me going, oi, yeah, your slot's in because he hasn't bothered replying yet. Um, match number two tomorrow. Um, quite intriguing on this one, actually. Stephen Bunting will take on Martin Schindler. Yeah. Um, yeah, this could be... It could be amazing or it could be... Uh, crap. I haven't quite made my mind. I think it could be... A, we could see anything, I think, in this game. Um, Stephen Bunting win. Uh, well, I think we saw a really good start from him. You know, getting rid of Aspen, I think he'll come in with a lot, an awful lot of confidence. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 again. But, uh, yeah, Bunting 3-1. It's getting dangerous, Dan, because I also think Stephen Bunting will win this one 3-1. Part of me wants to back him 3-0. I was really, really impressed with him in the first round. Really, really impressive him in the last block of the Pro Tours. He has been superb of late. He was hitting tops with decent regularity in. He was back to 16s on a finish in. His game seems to know exactly where he wants to be with it right now. It's hard not to see the bullet pulling off a bit of a run here right now because he looks absolutely superb. Um, But I'm going 3-1 just because it's set. Like, if this is... Leg play first to 10. I think he wins it 10 4, 10 5. I think he's that comfortable. But set yeah. play, one of that pinches a set, which yeah. is why I'm giving one to Martin Schindler. Uh, Barry says the bullet 3 1. Rob Sumner says bunting 3 1 as well. He also said this game could be bloody brilliant or awful. Uh, Gary 3 1. So everyone back in the Gary train uh, seems like people are on the bullet as well. Uh, third game of the night, former champion Gerwin Price takes on Christoph Ratajski. I thought Ratajski did just enough to beat James Wade. It was one of those where that could have gone either way. I think with every tournament we see Gerwin Price playing recently or over the last couple of years, he has one performance where he goes absolutely berserk and it's the one after you need to be worried about. And sorry, Polish Eagle fans, but this is the game where he goes berserk. He's going to average someone like 104 in this one. Mark my words. Well, uh, it's 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 very uh, as of maybe perhaps great minds think alike because if, from the moment that we started these predictions, there was no way on earth that I wasn't doing going price three 0 and I think that they won't be particularly tightly contested sets either. I think you know three nil three one three one three nil three nil three. I don't think we'll see a three two. <clears throat> in 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 the three nil win, I don't think we'll see a three two. Um, I think this is where he goes bonkers and potentially sets up the banana skin for for Gezi in my bracket is bunted. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm with this is scarily quite awkward. I'm so glad I'm not here tomorrow when it all goes massively wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you're sat going, well, Gob said this and Gob did that. Whoever you're with, uh, Charlie, I think it is. I've absolutely no idea that you've backed exactly the same, but. Uh, I, just, I can make them up when I've got someone else with me. I can just, <laughs> I just go. Oh, that's exactly what I picked. Yeah, I picked that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. And as, as good as or steady as Ratajski was on double sixteen, if Ratajski performance goes wrong, it is in that bottom corner. And I think it's equally likely to go wrong as it is that Gezi goes berserk on tops, which he absolutely adores. And he's got twelves up there. I think he'd be absolutely fine. Um, I just think he puts so much pressure on Ratajski that he crumbles, if I'm being yeah. completely honest. Um, so I've gone straight sets, Gervin Price. 
Andrew's in. Good evening, mate. How are we doing? He says price 3-0. Uh, Barry says price 3-1. Uh, Rob Sumner says think they may be close 3-2. Uh, Paul's in. He says evening all. How are we doing, mate? Hope you are well. Uh, you, you're joining us at a pretty bad time, to be honest, gents. We've got one more game to predict. I think there's no chance of us looking at an upset in this one. It is just scoreline prediction because it is Michael Smith, the reigning world champion of one number one. Okay, so look, a very good Brendan Dolan from round one. He did enough to beat Dirk, but I felt that was more that Dirk got dragged down rather than Dolan did anything exceptional. I'm really tempted, you know. You're not. I am. You're not. 3-2, Brendan Dolan. Really? Yeah, I just... I, I, you know how we talked about... We talked about Kezi Price earlier and he'll go ballistic and then he'll, he'll be a banana skin. Yeah. Michael Smith played exceptionally well in that game against Callan Rids. He was completely unplayable, absolutely unplayable. And I don't know whether the Michael Smith, and I've heard all the interviews and I've heard that, you know, that I'm not sure whether the Michael Smith right now follows that up. I'd love it. If he does, brilliant. Like, because then dangerous. Everyone else can start panicking. You know, if Michael Smith comes out and averages 90, 97, 98 and, and, and wins 3-0, like everyone can panic because it means he's starting to put performances together. Yeah. Um, I think the worst type of player Michael Smith, Michael Smith could come up against if he does start to not come together is a sort of unflappable grinder like a Brendan Dolan um, that's really steady, that will get in with, with, with a good degree of regularity that yeah. won't panic. And that can score well. And, and I just think if it, it, it's a potential and it makes it slightly less boring as picking something different, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that you sat there, didn't smile once, and like, there's no way you've rushed back a, an upset here, which went, actually, no, I'm doing it anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I love your logic, but I just think Dolan isn't slow anymore, right? That's not, but he, he's not rapid either. But I don't think he's going to put enough legs past Michael Smith before he has the opportunity to wake up and get going again. Yes, he'll prod, yes, he'll grind. But I still think he's just got that switch nowadays, whereas before he would have flapped about, he would have been panicked, he would have been struggling up there, he would have walked off stage at the break, shaking his head, he'd have gone back up there desperately searching for something. I just think he's too mature for that nowadays, which means if you're going to beat him, you've got to take it away from him quickly. And I'm not sure Dolan is going to put three sets up on the board quick enough to do damage to Michael Smith. If these were the other way around, if he was playing Dolan first round, I could see an upset. And if he was playing Callum Ridd second round, who gets going, I could see an upset because you can just start taking them away from him. But I don't think Brendan Dolan getting to three sets with Smith, I just think he'll pinch bits in between, even if he's playing badly. He's just got that knack these days, and, and I'm back in Marcos if I think he wins it 3-1, if I'm being honest. Uh, some more in the chat room. Uh, Andrew says Smith wins 3-0. Uh, Paul's just got back. I live in Leicester and the council PDC are not promoting this at all. Shame, really. Unless you're a darts fan, you wouldn't know it was on. And the morning side's a little bit out there compared to town, isn't it? It's, it's not central by the station or, or the unis or anything like that. Um, Paul says, evening lads from Nottingham. Evening, mate. You must be somewhere around me, because I'm not Knox as well, so thanks for joining us. Although that is pretty much the end of the show for tonight. Um, 
do drop us a like and make sure you subscribe to the channel before you head out. It helps us out massively. The more of you that drop likes on it now, the more of you that share and, and whatever, the more YouTube will give this a bump for the rest of the week so that everybody else can enjoy the Fallout Bar. With you, the busier the chat room, the better the show. That, that's always how it's been whenever we do anything live. Uh, quick reminder that the Moda Super Series returns at half nine tomorrow. The conclusion of Group A available on the Moda Super Series YouTube channel and back on Sporty Stuff TV tomorrow morning. Uh, interviews with all eight winners tonight are available in full on our YouTube channel. Phil Barr's been doing God's work once again over in Leicester. Um, he's been cracking on with all of our winners. Uh, the live lounge will return on Monday. Um, I don't think Phil's given us a date for you know what yet, so he's definitely getting a rocket up the backside from me. Thank you for my leave. I have a cup game, um, so I will not be here, but I'll leave you in the capable hands of Dan and I believe Charlie. Uh, we'll be here to discuss all of There's the There's a decent chance tomorrow that we are heavily reliant on Charlie for having <laughs> actually watched the darts. Because whilst it will be on in the Simpson house tomorrow, a lot of the focus will be... Multi-screen. <laughs> will be on St. James's Park. We will be multi-screening. We'll be multi-devicing. We'll be keeping track well, of all the we'll darts. We'll play it by it, because my cup game is result and get out of there. And if I'm being honest, we should win... Five one five two, and we will no doubt have the darts on upstairs as well. So if I'm back in time, and you haven't seen a lot, I might then jump on anyway. Well, keep in touch, mate. That help. But yes, uh, the fallout bar will return tomorrow night at the end of play. Expect it to be at a more reasonable hour, despite the fact that this um, format does increase from tomorrow. Best of five in those four second round matches. A big, big thank you to everybody. That has watched along tonight, or if you're listening back as an audio only, the fact that you guys are still there and we haven't put it on social media absolutely anywhere for so, so long really does mean a lot. Um, we are looking at ways where we can build our shows to be uh, more... So they'll flow better for audio-only purposes as well, not just remembering that we've whacked stuff up on screen and go, ha-ha, these guys can't see it, but they are listening. We do appreciate you guys. It does help us out massively, so keep up the good work with that one as well. Uh, that's about it. I'm going to start waffling now. That's the end of the show. Thank you very much for watching, everybody, and we will see you all very, very soon. See you later.